0: What we do in science, at least in the kind of science I do, is we take very different ideas and try to find the commonalities and the connections across very different disciplines and try to bring together a whole story. And I think the reason I love the business consulting so much is because that's what we do as business consultants.
1: You are now tuned into the Macy Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Meecy Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm Christy Lindor super thrilled to be your host. And we are actually doing episode 49 today. We're going to be talking about high performing teams, a topic that for me is actually really near and dear to a lot of the work that I do. So I'm really excited about today's guest. Her name is Dr. Rachel Headley. A little bit about Dr. Headley. She is actually go a PhD scientist turned consultant. She's the founder of The Rose Group International, a boutique consulting firm focused specifically on organizational cultures. Dr. Headley is also a coach and a TEDx speaker. And as I mentioned, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about high-performing teams, talk about her journey and how she kind of really made that transition from being, you know, kind of in the science field and really going into more of a consultancy type of space and we'll also talk a little bit about her TEDx journey as well and some of the things that she shares. So it's, it's a really super cool conversation today. So I hope you check it out. We also, Go-Getters, I wanted to make sure that you had a link to my TEDx talk. I know I had mentioned it, I think, in my previous episode, and I actually also have recently posted the transcript. I've had a lot of people asking me about the transcript, so I've posted it out there. So I'll add all the links to the show notes as we normally do. And also, Go Getters, I've actually started to get some really cool ideas of names for the future podcast show. And so I want to kind of put some of the, the ones out there that's floating. I've actually had Go Getters, I've actually had some of you share. You like the name. I don't know if it's because you're used to the, the current name, me seeing unplugged, or if people don't want to change over, not sure. But yeah, so now if you're just kind of tuning in, in the last episode, I did mention that, you know, we're going to be kind of shutting this show down. And in, in the fall, I will be launching a new podcast show. And I was asking listeners to provide some names. So right now, a couple names that's been floated. Obviously, the Christy Lindor show. I think, again, that was my default. But I felt like it was boring. Another name, actually, someone sent me was the Go-Getter podcast, which sounds really cool. And you know, it's one of my favorite sayings. So I'm definitely considering that. But now the third is just keeping the name as the same and just maybe taking a break and just restarting. It up with my new mission. So those are the three uh, names in the running. Feel free to drop me a line news unplugged at gmail.com. Let me know what you think you know shoot me a note over LinkedIn let me know what you think of a future a new name for a show or keep this name and just take a break so we'll continue the conversation on the new podcast show. For today let's get started. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on the Missy me News Unplugged. How are you doing today? Hey, Christy. Thanks for having me. I am great. Well, thank you so much for being on today's show. I'm really thrilled to have you. We're going to have a really great conversation about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And I know it is to other go-getters out there around high-performing teams. And so before we talk about that, I want to take a step back and would love, Rachel, for you to introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Misi Muse Unplugged.
0: Well, thank you. I actually go by Dr. Rachel Headley because I spent a lot of my life as a PhD scientist working with satellite data on the Landsat satellite mission for the first 10 years of my career. And the second 10 years of my career, I spent as the operational science officer of that same mission. And that's what got me really excited about high-performing teams and that it's not just some magic thing that you do. It's actually a leadership choice. And then about five years ago now, I started consulting, business consulting, around that very thing, around high-intellect, high-tech, high-science companies.
1: That is such an interesting background. And it seems increasingly... You know, I continue to hear people that are scientists or in the science in that space that's transitioning into consulting. That seems to be a, you know, a trend I've seen over the the years. How did you decide that was the pivot you wanted to do?
0: Well, it's an interesting arc. I think, you know, these days, especially for independent people you know, we go into as young individuals, we go into college thinking we have to decide on the thing. And then we do the thing. And then we sort of over our life, you know, we sort of wander around and find the next fun thing to do. So for me, it was I love science. I still love science my TEDx was, you know, connected the science with the humanity part of it, of the world. I love all of that. And, and the interesting thing about science is that what we do in science, at least in the kind of science I do, is we take very different ideas and try to find the commonalities and the connections across very different disciplines and try to bring together a whole story. And I think The reason I love the business consulting so much is because that's what we do as business consultants. As your go-getter audience knows, we go into a client organization and we try to figure out what's going on from everyone's perspective and how can we put together a whole picture. So it's actually the mechanics of it are very similar. And frankly, the older I got, the more I realized that it's all about the humans. It's all about the people and how we all interact as a team and interact together and how do we make our lives better every day. And so that's kind of how my life sort of merged from hard science to leadership in a big team, science team into the business world where I now still help grow and create teams just in a slightly different way.
1: Right. And well said, I would agree with you. There's definitely, it sounds like there are synergies within consulting and the science disciplines. What would you
0: say is your definition of a great consultant? That's a great question. I love that question. A great consultant is someone who has the knowledge that it takes to actually provide value to their clients. And that can be in lots of different ways. You know, we work with risk people, we work with communications experts, but you have to have the base knowledge. And frankly, I think you have to be pretty good at figuring people out. And you also have to be aware that what you're not good at And so I think those are kind of the three basic things about how knowing when to say, you know what, that's a great question. I don't understand, or I don't have that background. Let me bring in someone who does because you really, we are anchored. My company is anchored in providing the absolute highest possible value. And as long as we're doing that in a very genuine way, I think that's what makes great consulting.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And you know, earlier you mentioned about your TEDx, I did get a chance to check it out and, and go getters. We'll make sure we put a link out in the show notes with your, the TEDx that you did. So can you maybe just share a little bit about, you know, your adventure? I just did a TEDx talk. So I'm all about TEDxes these days. (laughs)
0: Congratulations.
1: (laughs) Thank you. So I would love to hear about your story and how did you decide to talk about the Earthling planetary impact in Chernobyl and that story? I would love to just, you yeah, the background
0: of it? Yeah, my real intention of my TEDx is to sort of showcase a life mantra I have, which is there's ways to have everyone work together. You just have to find those ways, especially in business and high-performing teams and teaming. In my opinion, there's very few bad actors, truly. It's really about communication, values, accountability. And so once we get everybody on the same page, there's always ways to help people work well together. And so really what I want to talk about was my TEDx was that idea, but how I did it was I used satellite imagery and talked about the human's impact on the planet very directly, whether it's cutting down forest or planting crops or Chernobyl, which was a technical disaster, but perpetuated by humans. And I wanted to use that as just a beautiful backdrop, because frankly, it's sexy and fun. And you know, who doesn't want to look at beautiful pictures of the earth, but also relate the humanity and how humans impact the earth. But it's not always bad. It's not always irreversible. And how do we you know, the answers of really complicated problems are never at the extremes. It's always somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's really the message I wanted to drive home. And so people that want to see it as an environmental talk can see it that way. Some people see it as a political talk and you can see it that way. But really, it's about how that we really need to work together to solve the most complicated problems. And that's why I love teamwork.
1: Yeah. When you did your TEDx, were you still working as a scientist or had you transitioned into the consulting realm?
0: No, I've been working in the consulting for four years at that point.
1: Okay. Okay. Awesome. I love it. And again, go-getters, we'll put the link out there. I know you talked earlier a little bit about you know Rose Group. For those go-getters that are interested, maybe you can just share a little bit about what your company does specifically and like what are some of the service offerings. I think it's so, so unique.
0: Well, we have uh, Rose Group We have two partners that do the thought leadership for the company. It's me and my business partner, Meg Manke. And what we do together is we've created some IP around how to actually create high-performing teams, how to overcome barriers between, let's say, leadership and staff, or we look at vertically through an organization, how we can improve communications and team and value and accountability. And so the actual programs we offer are much usually very long. It depends. We have a range, but our most favorite thing to do is come into a company and really fix them. So one of the things we do as a quick example is we have a financial software company we work with, the leadership are finance folks, and the people that are actually doing the work are young engineers. They have very different working styles. You know, The leadership likes to have a lot of understanding and control. The staff likes a lot of freedom and wants to just move forward as fast as they can. And so after two and a half years or so, they have a hard time even talking to each other. They're so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so we come in and we say, okay, we're all in this together. We all want the same things. How do we move forward? And so when we do those kinds of programs, that's a year commitment usually at least because it just takes a long time for people to take on new things and really change a culture. We also do, Meg loves to prevent this kind of problem. And so she loves to train frontline supervisors Meg has a group of consultants she works with and she'll go into a company and train all frontline supervisors and their supervisors and, you know, help them really establish a leadership culture. And so we do both ways. I love to come into a really gnarly problem and help fix it. And she loves to sort of prevent those problems from ever happening. So we work on both ends of the leadership and culture spectrum.
1: Nice. It's actually a nice segue to our topic for today around high performing teaming. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your, Research and that you've done in the space. But before we do that, maybe you can share a story with us. You know, maybe I'll let you choose, like, you know, a story of the best team you've ever been on and what made it so great or the worst team you've been on and what made it so terrible.
0: Yeah, we've thought a lot about this topic because, of course, that's really what drove us to do the research we did and create the solutions we have. And for me, I was my Landsat team, and I say my very broadly, right? I was a I still feel a lot of ownership because it was such a powerful experience. The team I helped manage, so there was a four-person management team, and then we have about 150 engineers that we led. And that team was incredible. And that's really what... And the interesting thing about this incredible team, so they were incredibly smart experts in their field, but they knew that they needed the other people in the room to do the entire project. So one of the really powerful things I loved about working for engineers is that they or working with engineers. I really worked for them, right? In the servant leadership mentality anyway. I really loved how they were really great at their job, but they also knew that they weren't everything. And so that was really a we have to get all the horses pulling in the same direction kind of vibe. And no matter what challenge I laid before them and the management team laid before them, I was part of the team that migrated from a cost model. So we would charge thousands of dollars per image and make about $5 million a year and sell about 25,000 images. That was the four cost model. And we transferred over to a free model. So now you can get Landsat data for free all over the world. And that transition was massive, overwhelming. Some people thought it'd be a death spiral for the mission. We actually lost our leader because she didn't want to be the one that was in charge with this. All this shit happened. And it was a really stressful time, but we really challenged our team and they stepped up. They released it ahead of schedule with no bugs. We ended up distributing. So when we were charging, it was 25,000 images a year. We ended up distributing 25,000 images a day for the free model. And now they've distributed something like eight million images all over the world. We have forty thousand plus users in the community. It was just a really inspiring team environment, and I just learned so much from working with them and guiding, helping guide the team. The interesting thing about that, though, is at the very same time, the building, the organization that we were in, was falling down around us. The very top brass at the organization were asked to resign because of was a little scandal, which was nothing. It was sort of created to get rid of them. The whole place was the culture of the entire building was just becoming more and more insular, more and more sad. Everyone hated to go to work. And in the meanwhile, here was my team in the middle of it, just really being incredible. And so it was really a great dichotomy to watch what not to do and what you still could do as a leader and what the differences were. And that's really what got me really excited about teamwork.
1: That's awesome. And so maybe you can start there and share a little bit about the research you did and looking at the personality, the different Mm -hmm. personality types on teams and, you know, share some insights for especially go-getters, you know, as consultants, I think 99.9% of our experiences are on project teams. And so it's always nice, like you said, to be on a team where, you know, you're energized. But when it's bad, it's bad, right? As you just mentioned, it's really bad. So maybe you can share, you know, a little bit of the insights you've picked up through the efforts you've done.
0: So what we really started looking into was what really drives team. And we were really curious about the change because whenever us go-getters go into an organization, you are trying to instill some kind of change on the landscape and it has to happen, change has to happen, and it has to happen in a team environment. And so we were really interested in in the crossroads of that experience. So how do we create the highest value and get people through that change as quickly as possible to the good? And so with the least pain, and actually, if you do change right in a team, you can actually create a high-performing team through change. So that was what we really were trying to get to the root of. And so what we started looking at were for the people on the team. So we've created four different culture types in a team environment. But since I know you guys love kind of the how this all gets put together, I'll spend just a second talking about the intellectual side of it. So what we really felt like there's two axes that we want to think about. One is some people really love to work in a team embedded in a team. And then some people love to work alone or by themselves, and they prefer to work on independent projects. The other axes that we looked at was where a lot of people really love order in their life. And they like predictability. They like to know that they're going to have a paycheck every week, and it's going to be this, and this is how they can be promoted. And This is how they can excel. So some people really prefer that order. And then some people really love much more freedom, Freedom to decide what to do every day, freedom to decide how to make it better, make the team better, freedom to decide how to problem solve. And so those are really the two axes that we felt like if we could get a handle on how you fit in to those two things, those two angles, we could really help strategize about how to make things happen for you. So Christy, I would imagine that you are a fixer, what we call a fixer, and a fixer really loves problem solving for the betterment of the environment or the team. And so you love working with a team, but you love to come in and solve problems for people. And if you were on my team and we had a big change coming, I would reach out to you and say, Christy, we have this big challenge coming up. How do you think we should tackle this? What do you think will resonate with the staff? What do you think we can do that will make it exciting and interesting instead of scary and so because i know you're a fixer i would give you challenges that would energize and excite you i mean you can't always do everything every day something that's fantastic but i know what gets you going and what excites you and then if you're an organizer who loves to create order out of chaos and those are you can work on your own pretty well but you really love order I would say, you know what, we have all of this data, we have all of this information, check this out and read through it and let me know what you think about what the data tells us about this change that we're coming up with, because then that's going to be the thing that you're going to really love. And so what we figured out is if we can get you in one of these categories, we can strategize about how to motivate you, excite you, what you're afraid of, how to allay those fears, and that just supercharges the team and the environment.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have any advice for people that are joining a team, like a newbie consultant, let's say, listening to this and is hearing this and saying, Yeah, that makes sense? Like, how would you give them advice to break this down into a kind of an actionable first step if they're just joined a new team or they're on a team that's like, I like to call them runaway trains. <laughs> they're on a team that's like in really bad shape. Like, how would you use <laughs> some of this?
0: Right. I love that analogy. I'm totally using that (laughs) runaway train analogy. Everyone wants off, but nobody can. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, how we use it and how it's exciting for everyone else to use, frankly, is... It's really powerful because you can immediately figure out, if you're on a dysfunctional team, we can immediately figure out almost every time, and I don't know if it's ever not happened, what the sort of the root of the communication challenge is, because that's really what it boils down to most of the time, or a values alignment issue. And so what we do is we go and we give them a little quiz. Well, for our clients, we give them a bigger quiz, but it's really based on all of those personality profiles that we know, Myers-Briggs, DISC, communication Mm -hmm. styles, all of the things. I can pretty much guarantee that anything that you've heard of about personality profiles, we've looked at. And what we've done is we've embedded those into our culture types. And so it works phenomenally well. And so what we do is we give them some questions and then we can put you in a quadrant. And then it's a great way to have a conversation, a brand new conversation about looking at what the challenges might be in a totally new way. So it really, everyone loves it. First of all, I don't know what it is about personality profiling and stuff, but people just really dig it. And then it gets them to say, oh, well, you are this kind of person and that means this thing. And the reason that we like our approach better than a straight personality profile is that we embed the ways that you work in a team. So if I know I'm an ENTJ in a Myers-Briggs, I cannot possibly figure out how I interact with the 15 other personalities on my team. It's just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So we've really shortcutted all that to say, okay, You've taken all the information, turned it 90 degrees, and this is how you work in a team environment. And then that immediately resonates with everybody, and they can start really fixing and addressing communication challenges. And that's how we use it. We go in and just, we say, okay, you're an organizer, you need to know this. Who in this room knows the data behind that question? And so it's just really a way to be upfront about how people work and kind of in a way that's every one of our categories is very positive. There's no losers, quote unquote. Everyone is who they are and we value them as who they are. And that's a really important premise.
1: Right, right. Do you find, and from my experience working with different personality instruments and working with different teams, have you found with your assessment that people in certain cultures tend to value a particular archetype? profile more than another. Have you found that with yours? Because I found that in some groups, they think like, oh, if I'm analytical, right, and I just totally made this up. But if I'm analytical, I know that my firm or the people I work with value that. So I would want to be that I wouldn't want to be like, you know, the happy go lucky person right on the profile.
0: Do you find that with yours? Absolutely. In fact, we've been using it now for about two years. And we actually, over time, have relabeled one of the categories because Mm. we really found that men and some women didn't feel like it was a good thing. Like it's what we call a connector, which is really the glue that holds a team together. You know, they're the ones that get things done, they're the ones that are dependable. They sort of deal with all the craziness that some other people have. Like, they're the anti-drama people. They don't want any drama. They want to just come to work and get their job done and be great at their job. And if you're a leader and then you are a connector, it means that you really tried to protect your team from all the chaos that might be going up above you, which I think is one of the most valuable things that you could do. But a lot of people really thought, felt connector was too like soft or, mm-hmm. or weak. And so we actually changed the label to stabilizer because that's really what they do. And that feels a little stronger for people. It feels like a car park or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so, it so, you know, for some reason, that languaging, we needed to change because we really don't want people to feel like there's winners and losers in the room because. Every single person, of course, contributes in a very important way to the team environment, and we wanted to make sure that there wasn't someone in the corner, like in DISC. We were just talking about this recently with a client. In DISC, there's one kind, and they sort of sit over in the corner and they feel like they're not worthy of respect. You know, we absolutely do not want that. We want to see everyone is like, oh, that's who you are, and that is cool. So that's that's why we were pretty careful with it.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome that you have that type of flexibility with the instrument. now available on amazon management consultant and author christy lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called the mc muse a hundred plus selected practices unwritten rules and habits of great consultants the mc muse provides insights stories and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organisations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates and more info, go to www.mcnews.us. So if you have a team, and I'm going to go back to a little bit of the example I kind of mentioned earlier. If you have a team that's, let's go back to that runaway train. If you've got one of those, which people do, and you, oh, um, they're, they're horrible. Yes. Um, like, what's the first step you would recommend that, you know, a go-getter take
0: to really start to try to turn the train around? Like, what would be that first step? The first step... Because when you get to that runaway train, a lot of the times the runaway train has been gaining speed over time, right? So this is not a short-term problem. And so what happens is feelings get hurt, emotions get embedded in the everyday, day-to-day, and you really have to get people to get up and out of that mindset. And so what we always do, which is incredibly powerful, I think, is that we interview people individually, depending on the size of the team and all that. Sometimes we interview teams, but we interview people. And what we do is we say, tell me about what your ideal day is. What do you want this company to look like? What do you want? We deal with a lot of startups. So that's like in the startup world, but what do you want from your experience at work? What is your ideal day? And then we do that with everybody, every team. And then at the end of the day, we have an all hands meeting and we bring everyone in the room and we say, this is what we heard from you. And we start writing a list on the board. These are the things that we heard. And the great thing about that, Christy, is that every single person in the room thinks it's their list because we heard the same thing from every single person. And all of a sudden, everyone looks around and says, oh, we all actually want the same thing here. Who and knew? Then, <laughs> I know and then we, exactly. And then we start talking about why are we working so hard against what this looks like, and, and what are the things that we need. And then it's a moderated conversation, right? And then we talk about the hard things. We speak truth to power, man. We we don't let sacred topics go unspoken. We don't let you know old wounds go unhealed. Like we talk about, and not in a we're very masculine in our approach. We are not you know some people are great at sort of that softer let's sit in a circle and cry and you know get all the stuff out and that is a very powerful tool for some consultants it is not our approach it's much more you know let's pull on our big pants here and talk about what is going on and let's get these problems solved it's much more direct and my business partner would laugh at me because she has this HR background, and she wants people to cry it out if they need to, and you know. And I'm like, yeah, okay, if you got to cry, go just talk to Meg, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because we deal with business, and business is always run by men. And as sad as that is, we're getting better at it. You know, we're increasing our female leadership, but even then, a lot of female leaders tend to be much more masculine in their approach, and that just resonates with us. And so that's how we really tackle a lot of problems is, all right, this is just a logic problem, folks. There's no emotion right. here. No one's bad. No one's naughty. It's just a communication problem or it's an accountability issue. Let's just talk it out. You know, And that's how we, we really address it.
1: Yeah. As you were describing your, you know, kind of the process of how everyone got together and it turns out everyone had kind of shared common goals at the end of a session. It just fascinates me in terms of humans right like and how the stories we make up in our minds or in the day-to-day interpretation of of actions how that just gets so like I don't know what's the word it just gets so muddled up to the point where you know I've always found it so fascinating like how did we get here right I don't know if you do and if you've ever had like those aha moments where you're like how did they get to this point you know where are they going to be in a year from now
0: Right. And that's an important arc to consider. A lot of times we try to make a clean break. I mean, intellectually, we go back to the hotel. We're like, wow, what is going on? Well, how did this ever happen? You know, but in front of the staff, it's all about, I don't care what went on before now. That ends today. You know, there's no finger pointing. There's no, it was his fault. It was her fault. It was that team didn't do their thing. And now it's not, okay, what do we do now to achieve the things that you've all said you want to achieve? And for us, it's a choice. We talk all the time about living in choice. Mm-hmm. If you don't get a workout in today, it's because you chose to use your time in a different way. It's not because you're too busy or you're somehow a victim of your circumstance. It's that you chose to use sometimes, but mostly it's we choose to use our time differently. Same with work. If you're unhappy at work and you're the leader of that team and your team's unhappy, that is the leadership choice. It is within your power to change that. So we talk a lot about, you know you have to own your circumstance and what's going on here And we need to make the choice. We start to need to make the choices to change it. And everyone in the room needs to commit to doing that.
1: Absolutely. Hashtag own your circumstance. We're going to make yeah. sure we're going to, we're going to hashtag that one. <laughs> I love it. You can't see me, but I'm like shaking my head in violent agreement over here. <laughs> me too. That's the <laughs> funny thing. Whenever you, I'm like, yes, you're, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to pivot for the last, one of the last questions of the interview. I think I heard a rumor that you were potentially writing a book. Oh, right. Yeah. Tell us about we, it.
0: We are, we are. Well, one of the things that we love about our approach and that we've used it a lot now is that we've just figured out that we don't want to grow our company to be a huge, you know, stable of consultants that then have to answer to us. Most go-getters want to work for themselves and we want to support those women and men. And so what we want to do is start sharing the way that we think about leadership and teams and especially our IP around how you do culture work. And so the book is just a very first start. Right now, the working title is called Juice because we are all about energizing and making you want to go to work. That's really our goal is making every single person excited to go into work in the morning, which is very lofty, but we know we can do it. But we can't do that ourselves. And so what we want to do is start putting these techniques and the power of what we do in the hands of other like-minded, go-getter, independent consultants that want to really change the world and lead powerfully through their consulting business. So we're getting the book together. It's really about the culture types that we've developed and how you actually think about embedding that in the sort of traditional sort of accountability team focus empathy, you know, like those really core leadership values that we all train on and coach on. And then, but really changing culture is kind of an advanced skill for consultants. And so we kind of weave it into the basics and tell you how you would actually use it in a culture, in a client or in your own company, and then how to actually lead through change, which is like the you know, top-notch leadership challenge that we all face. And then we, later this year, once the book should be coming out in the fall. Okay. Uh, we've got a great writer who's supporting us. But when that book comes out, what we really are going to start doing is certifying consultants in our approach so that when they go on the landscape, they know that they have, they really understand what it is, they really understand how to implement it, they can really use it to the highest value for their clients. And so that'll be the model that we move forward down 2018 with.
1: Yeah, that sounds so exciting. I would love to stay connected with
0: you and have you come back on the show when you publish the book. Oh, that would be great because it'll be really an exciting, I mean, it's all exciting times, but seeing it and having it in hand is going to be really exciting.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, this was a fantastic conversation. If if people are interested in getting a hold of you or doing work, you know, with the Rose Group, maybe you can share some ways people can reach out to you.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So if you just search on Dr. Rachel M. K. Headley, you're going to find me. And then our website is rosegroupintl.com. And so we have a, if you want to find out what Culture type, you are? We actually have a quiz and it's a link right on the top frame of our website. You could go find your culture type if you want to go check it out. And a lot of our material is on there. We don't have a lot of the details because, of course, it's being trademarked right now. And so we are a little careful about how much we reveal on the details. But you can certainly uh, find out a little bit about some of that work there.
1: Well, thank you so, so much for being on today's show. It was such a blast.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Christy. I love talking to like minded people, it's really a joy.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And thank you, my go getters for tuning in today. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Missy Muse unplugged pop up podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.miseymuse.com for more information.